I think that's all we really can do in situations like this, ladies and gentlemen. We have to stand together and we have to stand as one in the dark of the sun. Sheesh. It's just tragic what happened in Vegas. And I hate the fact that this is our inaugural episode of the Whitfield Report, the relaunch episode of the Whitfield Report. Uh, I wanted to do this episode and talk about other things, so I'm sorry our first episode is such a damn downer. But as always, the show must go on. Rain or shine. Um, and by the way, Into the Great Wide Open, not the song, but the album that this uh, song came off of. It has, uh, it has some really good songs that weren't necessarily hits, but in, in my opinion, they were better than the hits off the album. And uh, The Dark of the Sun... The song I just played seems to be one of those. Uh, Obviously, there are some great hits on the album. Learning to Fly and Into the Great Wide Open, obviously, are two great songs. But I think The Dark of the Sun really is one of the better songs off the album. And, uh, you know, given the last event... Given the events of the last couple of days, I think it's fitting. It kind of sums up my attitude, how I feel about the whole Vegas thing. The Vegas shooting or the Vegas massacre, whatever the hell you want to call it. And that that's really... I, I want to talk a little bit about that today, folks, but I, I also want to talk a little bit more about how we process things, so I'm just going to jump into it. I'll, I'll do the housekeeping stuff at the end of the show. But this morning when I woke up, I was trying to think of a, of a way to articulate my feelings about this um, horrific incident. And when I, w- when I woke up this morning, I immediately started thinking of the movie No Country for Old Men. And as many of my longtime followers and podcast listeners over the years know, I'm a big uh, film buff. And... Uh, this is one of the blessings and the curses of being such a, really a student of film and a student of cinema is you enjoy cinema, yes, but you also start to see a life uh, through a cinematic lens, so to speak. 
I'm not one of those people that thinks that their life is a movie necessarily, but I do tend to see allegory in film and how it relates to life. Um, and in this instance, No Country Old Men did that for me this morning. Now, for those of you who haven't seen the film, and uh, I know that there are probably some people that haven't if you're not familiar with the Coen brothers, but No Country Old Men, it came out about 12 years ago, and it, it follows, it really follows the story, arguably, of Javier Bardem's character, who he basically plays this serial killer who, uh, the first time you see him, he's been arrested, we assume, for killing someone. He's at a jail, and somehow he gets out and kills the two uh, sheriffs. This is in Texas, by the way. Um, He kills the two sheriffs. Um, He gets his murder weapon, which is essentially, he makes a, he's made a gun out of a, like a vacuum cleaner type apparatus. I guess he goes around uh, as a janitor or something, pretending to kill people, or at least he did you know, prior to the movie. Uh, And we see him basically murder people uh, throughout the movie. Tommy Lee Jones uh, plays a a sheriff who is like, I guess, trying to, you know, track him down and figure out all these murders and kind of his motivation. And, um, and then I think it, I'm not familiar off the top of my head, but I think it's Josh Brolin who plays the other main character who kind of just stumbles into all the middle of this. He kind of has his own storyline, which is unrelated to Javier Bardem's character, but it does, um, intersect at some point. Uh, Long story short, the movie... I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys, although it is, like I said, 12 years old or so at this point. So So if I were to spoil anything, it wouldn't really be, you know, ruining anything for the vast majority of you. You can... In fact, for a couple of the scenes I would spoil, you could probably already see clips of them on YouTube. But regardless, Javier Bardem's character basically kills without any rhyme or reason in the movie. He just does this multiple times throughout the film. And it's it's interesting because you'll see him kill certain people for absolutely no apparent reason. And then some of the people you think that he'll kill, 
he just walks away and does nothing to them. And as it relates to Vegas, the, the reason why this popped into my head, I guess, or at least what I, the reason why I think this movie came into my mind is because Javier Bardem's character kind of reminds me of this Vegas shooter, or at least at this point, what we know about this Vegas shooter. Uh, this guy, no one can really figure out why he did the shooting. And I mean, for all we know, it. Okay, let's get down to brass tacks. The thing about this guy is we don't know anything about him, really. We don't know if uh, he's psychotic, if he, had, if he had a breakdown, if he was part of like a larger uh, terrorist plot. Um, as some people are suggesting, or really what what this guy's deal is, and I think that above all is terrifying to most people. And what makes it different is with um, what makes this case different as opposed to things like the the Aurora movie uh, theater shooting, which happened in my uh, home state, by the way. What makes this different from Aurora and what makes it different from a Sandy Hook and a lot of other things is from the outset, all of those shootings, the, the people were already showing signs of uh, mental instability. We knew from the get-go that they were that a lot of these shooters were uh, on antipsychotics, or that they had some sort of uh, mental problem that we could die that people could diagnose. Um, with this guy, it, it just kind of happened. At least that we know of. Now, yes, I, I, I've read the comments on social media. And I know that apparently there are sects of ISIS uh, trying to claim responsibility. I, I know that there's probably um, some... I think there's some sect of Antifa, one of the more radical, uh, and trying to also claim responsibility. But long story short, as far as all these radical groups or terrorist groups trying to claim responsibility, we really don't have any proof. And then there are some 
there are some people out there trying to say that this was uh, deep state on the right, um, that this was the deep state. Those who are who are on who are on the right are trying to say that this was, you know, deep state, and then those on the left are, you know, trying to claim that this is once again a case of gun violence. And in either case, ladies and gentlemen, I I think what we have here, like it or not, is a case of there really isn't anything that we can say about this shooting other than it is horrible and it is tragic. But we but we really can't say anything else. And I, I think I think whenever shootings like this happen, I think people and I'm guilty of it too to a certain extent, I think we all are people try and, you know, rationalize it or uh, compartmentalize it in some fashion, whether it be conspiracy theories or blaming gun groups or uh, blaming, you know, video games or movies or popular culture or something else. I, I think everyone kind of tries to maybe blame or scapegoat or or do something to rationalize an incident like this in their brain. Because for the vast majority of us, for those of us who do live in a civilized manner, I should say, this type of incident is incomprehensible to us. Or at least I, I would hope that your brain kind of does uh, backflip some of this because if you can if you can comprehend what this guy is uh, doing, if you can understand what he did and what his motive is from the outset, then you're probably deranged as well. But I think the the biggest takeaway for me from this, and this is kind of the moral of today's podcast, is even more, this is the even more important point, is not necessarily that we have a gun problem, not necessarily that we have a popular culture problem. Those are all subjects that we can discuss at another time, and those are things that kind of focus on the political side of things. But I, I want to keep today's show separate from all of that crap. Because it is, at the end of the day when talking of this type of situation, it is pointless, needless dribble. The lesson of today's podcast is to really uh, love those who are 
in your lives and to really treasure them as much as you can because you don't know when the people in your life, when their number's up on this earth, or when your number on this earth is up. And uh, unfortunately, this is a lesson that I've had to learn uh, the hard way uh, over the, the course of the last, you know, two years of my life. Um, as some of you may recall, back on my old podcast, The Field Analysis, in one of our final episodes when I was still doing the show, when, when the show was still called The Whitfield Analysis, um, towards the end of that run, my beloved Uncle Gary uh, had passed away of alcoholism at the end of that year. He died of liver failure because he, he, was, he was an alcoholic and he was an extremely sweet, sweet man and he wasn't I mean he wasn't a mean drunk per se but he you know he did have he did have his moments but you know for the most part he, he wasn't what you would think of as you know a typical stereotypical bitter alcoholic he was quite the opposite he was he was the type of guy who would give you the shirt off his back and that was, I think that was what made his death so hard. Not just, you know, due by the fact that he was only 64 years old and, you know, too young to die. But also that he, you know, that he was such a loving person. And, um... Unfortunately, by the time I found out that he that he was dying of liver failure, it was kind of already too late for me to say my final goodbye um, to him, and that was a real shame because we were very close and we talked just about every week, if not every other week. And he uh, he came down and visited me here in Florida, and I'm in the last year of his life. He did that, and um, I'm I'm grateful that he did that. I really am. And then he he passed away, and it was. It was devastating for me. And I know that it's not on the, on the same scale of, of, you know, being killed in a mass shooting or, 
losing a loved one to that type of thing. But I do understand how these, you know, families must feel in terms of having a loved one being taken from them so suddenly and without warning. Because for me, I mean, it, it kind of was without warning. And I wish I had told him that I, you know, I wish I had told him I loved him more. And I wish I had been able to, to say goodbye to him, to say a proper goodbye. But I, I never was. I, I did write him a, him a letter, which my father, my father flew down and um, read it to him on his, on his deathbed. So that was good, but it wasn't the same. Contrast that with my grandfather who on my dad's side of the family who passed away three months ago at age 89 he was just about ready to turn 90 years old my grandfather and I who were also close we uh, I got to talk to him on the phone two days before he died. And he was still fully there. And he was, you know, we're able to have a good conversation. It's a conversation that I won't share publicly with you guys, but we had a but we had a good conversation. But throughout, I uh, throughout the conversation, I think he and I both knew that it would be the last time that we talked to each other. He had had some health problems that uh, previous year, really for the past for the past five years, but really within that last year of his life, you know, they had really started to manifest themselves. Although, you know, when you're 89 years old, turning 90, you know, you deserve to have a few health problems. Trying to add a little levity to this uh, podcast. But regardless, I didn't, I, I got to say the goodbye that I wanted to. And I, I told him I loved him. And I know for a fact that he went to heaven knowing 
that was well loved. And also, the things that he, that he told me were things that he wanted other people to know about him, about who he was. And... I listened to him and took him out. And uh, at his memorial service, I was able to send in a, a video, um, kind of art articulating those things that he wanted me to share. So, why do I bring this story up? Why do I bring these two stories up and what do they have to do with Vegas? Well, the point being, folks, as I said, the moral of today's story is to embrace the people you love around you. And... I really can't say anything more. I, I think that is more of the story because you don't know when people are going to pass away. I'm not saying you have to say to say goodbye every single time like someone is going to pass away. But you have so many instances and there are so many people in our, in our lives and including mine that I don't I really don't think that we say those three words I love you or I, I care about you it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be I love you but I don't think we share affection with each other in our lives enough genuine affection and so while other people in the political arena want to talk about the politics of the shooting and while other people in my arena of political commentary I want to talk about you know what was the rationale I want to focus on the people element here I want you guys if you're listening to this podcast to reach out to the people in your lives and tell them how you feel or don't it's up to you but above all right now we need humanity and we need clarity and we need to come together There will be time for politics later.
Mm. All right, folks, that just about does it for this uh, inaugural show, the relaunch episode, as it were. And uh, yes, we are listed on iTunes. Uh, I still love tape right, and I still plan on using tape right uh, for stuff, but their their system is uh, still has some kinks uh, that need to be ironed out. And uh, it's still a relatively new company. So I've decided to go with a more stable uh, podcast host. And uh, we're also listed on iTunes now. So uh, feel free to subscribe over there. And with the new layout of iTunes podcasts, uh, podcasts now have the option uh, to do seasons now. So I guess uh, this is... Season 1, Episode 1, and uh, folks, I know it was hard for, uh, this episode may have been hard for some of you to listen today, it was um, hard for me to talk about some of these things, but I I felt compelled to do this, Uh, podcasting is is kind of therapeutic for me in this sense, and this was my most scripted episode, it was more freeform. But I really appreciate you listening. As always, you can visit my website at thesamwitfield.com. Follow me on Twitter at samdeb underscore ndc. Hashtag Whitfield Report Pod. And I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening. And also, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Tom Petty. Uh, you will be missed. We won't back down. And hopefully we'll see you in the dark of the sun. In the dark of the sun Will you say